hand. All right, grab your Bible this morning or open your Bible or your tablet or your phone or whatever you use to be in God's Word to Ephesians chapter 6. If you are new here this morning, um, we are in a series in the book of Ephesians. We started it in the beginning of the summer and we're just concluding it about now. We're almost done. We're just starting chapter 6 and we'll have about five or six messages here in chapter 6 and be done at the end of the month and when we'll, then we'll start our 40 days of prayer series which I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what God does in all of us as we commit some really powerful things to prayer. Well we've been talking all the way since back in chapter 4 about relationships and the Apostle Paul talks about different kinds of relationships that happen in our life starting in chapter 4 our relationship with God and then we got into chapter 5 and our relationship with the church, and last week we talked about the relationship of marriage. Well, today we're going to talk about another important relationship. It's the relationship between children and their parents, and parents and their children. Another important relationship that lasts a, a long part of your life, and that we want to do a good job in. Now, just like last week, last week we talked about that this, this role in marriage is, is, is a symbiotic relationship that both people need to do their part in the relationship that God has commanded them to do. And when that happens, that relationship gets healthy and whole and beautiful the way God designed it. The same is true between children and parents and parents and children. When children do their part and parents do their part, then this relationship is healthy and whole the way God designed it. But there's directions and guidelines from God's word for both of us, and we'll jump into those. So let's pray and then look at Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thank you that you give us direction about life. Even the most important things in our life you help us with. And Lord, when we're kids, it's really difficult. And I pray that you would help us to hear some positive things this morning from your word about how we can live in your will. And when we're parents and we're adults, it's challenging too. And so would we hear some things this morning as the Holy Spirit speaks about how we can honor you with our lives and in this very important relationship with our kids. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Raise your hand this morning if you have ever been a child. Okay. All right. So all of us in the room. So I'm guessing that today will be pretty practical for all of us because we've all been a child. We've all been a kid. Now, if you're a parent in the room, raise your hand. Okay, all right. If you're a kid in the room, raise your hand. Nice, lots of you. I like that. That's great. Lenny, you are a kid at heart. Forever young. Lenny's like 78 over there. He's, he's great, though. <laughs> no, he's not? Oh, did I miss that by a little bit? Okay, all right. 68 is what I meant. I meant 68. <laughs> well, it's good to see that Lenny is a child at heart. And some of you are a child at heart, and some of you are physically a child. Well, let's look at God's Word quickly. What it says is direction for kids and for children, and is direction for us as adults and parents. It says this in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers... Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. 
Well, those verses seem pretty simple, right? And how come they're so hard to do? <laughs> they seem pretty simple, but I remember when I was a kid, they sure were hard to do. And now that I'm a parent, they're still hard to do. It's interesting that what God is doing and what God is saying is exactly what he's called us to do. Now, I'm going to do my best to, um, to do a great job with this section of Scripture because it's God's Word, but secondly, because my mom's in the room. <laughs> so that's important, right? You've got to get things right for mom. Now, let me start with just a quick definition. I thought it would be important for us to define children just because every culture and society kind of defines it a little bit different. So I think in America, we've kind of defined children as like 0 to 18. But sometimes you might still feel like you're under your parents' care if you're in college and you're still working through things and a little bit more dependent on them. But for the most part, I think in our society, we kind of do 0 to 18. When you're 18, you're an adult. But there's still kind of some connection with your parents that you have, maybe even till you're married and and working through that. So it's a little bit fluid, but mostly when we talk about kids and children, we're talking about zero to 18. Well, I'd like to begin by looking at verses one through three and taking a close look at what God says for kids, for children, zero to 18, right? So those of you zero to 18, I'm gonna spend a little bit of time talking to you right now because I believe that God has an amazing plan for your life. I believe God wants to do awesome things through you. He wants to use you. You are the, you're currently the, the present church, but you're also the future church. And I believe God wants to do big things in you. Some of you, I believe, may take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Some of you might be pastors. Some of you might be missionaries. Some of you might just be life team leaders or a council member or a teacher in faith kids. All of you are called to be in the body of Christ. See, I believe God has really big plans for you. And he has something that he wants you to honor him in. Because all of us are called to live in God's will. Well, in this case, we can see clearly that for you, God asks something specific. He asks you to obey and to honor your parents. So when you're 0 to 18... One of your responsibilities in that age group is to obey and honor your parents. Now, God does that on purpose, and I'll get to a couple reasons, but that's your role. That's what's God's best for you. I was recently checking out some stuff on the internet, and uh, I found the top five forms of misbehavior by kids. It was interesting to me, not because they were new, but I was, I was just looking at them and thinking about this message that I was going to preach. And as I think about these things, I, I, or relay them to you, I want to, um, well, kids, first of all, don't roll your eyes. And second, parents, don't point at your kids. Don't like, yeah, that's you. Like, right? No, no nudging, no nothing, no eye rolling. But here's the top five. Ready? Lying, arguing, defiance against authority, attitude, curfew violations. Now, as we get started, I neither confirm nor deny that I did all of these things on one day when I was a child. <laughs> Several in a row, in fact. <laughs> right? I mean, it's kind of like being a kid. 
And none of this is new. I mean, this, this, if you're a kid and you're like, man, I want to stay out later than what my parents wanted me to. Well, yeah, so did kids back in 84. I mean, it's not new. All of these things are things we've all struggled with and kids have struggled with and parents would struggle with all throughout our life, right? But I think uh, there's something different about 0 to 18 in 2018. I recently read a book and the book said this. If you're over 40, you need to change because everything has changed. I began to think about that as a parent when I was a kid, and I thought, that's right. That's true. Because I remember when I was a kid, there were only a couple things competing for my heart and my mind. Now, obviously, sin was always competing for my heart and my mind because Satan's never stopped at that. That's a given. But culturally, there wasn't a whole lot competing for my heart and my mind because there wasn't a whole lot available. There wasn't a whole lot accessible. If I wanted to find out a whole bunch of information, I had to ride my bike to this thing called the library. And in this thing called the library, you would find books, pages of paper, put together on an edge. And in these paper books, you would find information about the world, right? That's what life was like when I was a kid. Now, everything is at my fingertips. So for those of you that are kids right now, I don't envy you, because here's what I find challenging. Everything now is competing for your heart and your mind everything. Like, think about it for a minute. When you go on Snapchat and you open your Snapchat, you've got all of your friends. So I'm going to open my Snapchat, right? I've got all of my friends listed here and they're now all competing for me, aren't they? All of my friends are competing for me. Now I can press friends in the corner and I now get even more competition because they've all Snapchatted me and they all want me to what? Snapchat them back. And so do I take the next 10 minutes and do that? Whatever. But then I've also got the discover button, don't I? And I press the discover button and now the whole world opens up to me on Snapchat. I can find out what things are happening with sports. I can find out what's happening with the Kardashians, even though I don't care. I can find out what's happening with every movie star and every TV star and every single thing is right there on my, on, on my fingertips. But it's all now competing for my heart and my mind. And so as a kid, that's what's happening to you. Now God's competing for your heart and mind too because he loves you and he wants what's best for you. And honestly, for real, the world doesn't want what's best for you. The enemy of your heart and your mind doesn't want what's best for you. In fact, he's got a job description. He wants to kill you. He wants to rob from you. He wants to destroy you. And sometimes that discover button does just that. And so now you have this challenge of being competed with with all this technology. Now here's what else we're seeing as an increase when it comes to parents and kids. 
Because, kids, your heart and mind is being competed for with technology, it also affects the way you tell the truth. Did you really play the Xbox till 3 in the morning when Dad told you to go to bed at 11.30? That wasn't the case when I was a kid. Nobody was playing the Atari till 3 in the morning. (laughs) I mean, that just wasn't happening. Not to mention, we didn't have one at my home. Mom. (laughs) Why didn't we have an Atari? Because my parents probably looked at it and went, that's lame. Why would you put two lines with a ball in between it? Donk, donk, donk. That's dumb. They were right. That was dumb. (laughs) It was dumb. But here's what we find. As a culture, we're seeing an increase in the challenge between parents and adults, and it's directly related to technology. It's directly related to how much time we want to spend on technology and how much time we give our mind and our heart to technology. So as we launch into this, understand we all need healthy boundaries. Amen? Too much of any good thing is a bad thing. And technology is that way too. And so when our parents tell us to turn our technology off or to have some boundaries with it, it's a great way to obey and honor them. Well, let me start with you as kids and talk about some of the reasons or the purposes that God asks you to obey and honor your parents. I'm going to give you three things. Number one, homes run smoother. It's just true. When you honor and obey your parents, your home runs smoother. It's a natural byproduct of how God has designed things and basically how relationships work as well. When you obey and honor your parents and just say, yes, mom, and yes, dad, and you work through things with them, and you listen quickly, and you obey the first time they say something, that helps your home run smoother. On the opposite end of the spectrum, when there's constant friction because you're not obeying, and you're always challenging, and you're always pushing the envelope, and you're always not doing what they ask you to, that home becomes difficult. It's not smooth. The relationships aren't well. And you think, well, I don't care if my relationship with my mom and dad is good. Well, that's a problem. But guess who else is suffering? Your brothers and sisters. You have brothers and sisters that love you too and want to live in a home that is safe and secure and fun and healthy. And because of that constant friction, you also make it difficult for your brothers and sisters. Later down the road, you'll discover wasn't a very good thing. I I should have been more honoring to my parents. Now, this godly concept is true in many instances in life. We can look all over the world and see where this works. In classrooms, it's better. They run smoother when kids honor and obey teachers. When you go to a water park, that water park runs a lot smoother when we listen to the lifeguards, doesn't it? In fact, societies run a lot smoother when we obey the authority above us. It's a natural God thing. So help your home run smoother and honor and obey your parents. Here's the second thing. I think when you obey and honor your parents, it helps you with your thoughts and your attitude. I'm not implying that you have a bad attitude. I would never imply that. I did, but I never imply that you would, right? 
Here's what I've discovered. Have you noticed how quickly and easily we can go from happy to mad? Have you noticed how quick we can get negative? Like, I think it might be one of the fastest things in the world. And you're like, no, Pastor Mark Lamborghini. No, I think you can go from zero to negative in less than a second. That fast. We can go from mom's cool to she just asked me to clean my room. Mom's an idiot. I mean, it can happen that fast, right? That's the lamest thing. My mom is awesome, but she just told me to turn off the Xbox. Bam, my mom's, my mom's lame. I mean, it happens that fast, right? Zero to negative so quickly. Now, there's something that I think helps with that, and that is knowing God's desire for your life. When you know that God desires for you to honor your parents and obey them, it helps you not get so negative so quickly. It puts, it puts things in the real world, and you begin to think realistically, and you understand reality better because you understand the first thing in my life that I need to be doing right now to honor God is to honor my mom and dad and to obey them. When that happens, it makes it very easy for you. When you have that frame of mind, it makes it very easy for you that your thoughts and your attitudes are in line with where Jesus Christ wants you to live. And as a result, when mom and dad ask you to do something, you can quickly obey the first time and easily understand that this is what's best for me. One of the, my favorite books in the Bible is an Old Testament book called Proverbs. I love Proverbs because it's a book about wisdom, but it's interesting. A lot of the Proverbs are actually written from a father to his kids. And there's one word that is repeated over and over and over again in those Proverbs for kids, and it's the word, listen. Listen. See, what the Proverbs declare is when we're kids and we listen to adults and to our parents, we end up living a good life. And that's what God desires for you. Lastly, when you obey and honor your parents, you learn valuable knowledge and insight for your future. You, you learn things that you wouldn't learn on your own. And that's kind of the point that God has. He has you in this great relationship with your parents so that you'll learn some things that you would never learn on your own. And your parents can also help you learn some things that hopefully you'll never do, like mistakes we made, so that you'll never make them and you get to live in our wisdom instead of in our foolishness. Now here's what I want to tell you about learning knowledge and insight from your parents. Your parents know a lot of cool stuff. Now you probably shrug your shoulders and think, <laughs> not my parents. <laughs> Pastor Mark, you don't know my parents. They're not cool at all. Well, sometimes you're right in life. And sometimes you're wrong. You're wrong now. Your parents are cool. They know lots of cool stuff. And they know lots of great stuff that will help you in your future. Let me tell you another truth. You also have somebody else competing for your soul. And that's Satan himself. And he is attacking you with veracity right now. He's attacking you with everything he has. 
And he desires for you to end up in an attitude that sounds like this. I know everything. I don't need anybody's input. I don't need my parents' input. I don't need a teacher's input. I don't need anybody's input. I can do all of this on my own. Now, as adults, we know whenever that attitude sets in, we're in trouble, aren't we? We do it as adults, too. And when we have that attitude, we end up stuck. We end up stuck in some lifestyle that isn't pleasing to God. And we end up hurt and in pain. And so God says, honor your father and mother. Obey them. And then what's really interesting, God gives you a promise. Here's what's cool. God gives you a promise. He says, if you'll honor and obey your parents, you'll live a long life. What does he mean by that? Well, hopefully your parents are passing on great nuggets of wisdom. Little things that you can use in your life that will help you forever. And those bits of wisdom, as you take them, if you listen to them and take them into your life and begin to say, that's a smart way to live. Because they're presenting to you God's word and helping you live in God's word and helping you understand God's word and helping you live for Jesus. As they do that and you take that into your life, you'll live a longer life because you won't end up in foolish circumstances where your life would end quickly. You have an opportunity to live a longer life if you will listen to the wisdom around you, namely from your parents. See, God wants you to have a healthy, thriving, growing relationship with your parents. And to do that, you must do your part to honor and obey. The next part is the part for parents. And this is in verse 4. In verse 4, we see just a little little verse, and it's simple. It just says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, I think we can sum this up and simply say, be wise with your children. I've discovered that being a parent is probably one of the hardest things I'll ever do. Any amens out there? It's probably one of the hardest things I'll ever do. And you might be a child saying, hold on a second, it's really hard for me too. I recognize that. It's probably really hard for you as well. But if you live in a family of five, then for your parents, it's five times as hard. It's hard. It's hard being a parent. And it's one of the most difficult things you'll ever do. And we can't assume that what worked for us in our generation will work now. It won't. That's foolishness. Wisdom is recognizing the times that you live in and learning how to honor Jesus Christ in the time you live in and learning how to parent well and present Jesus Christ and help your kids live in Jesus Christ in their lifetime. And remember, a lot's changed. Since you've been a kid, a lot's changed, especially how life's been lived during your years from zero to 18. Now, let me give us a couple ideas about how we can be wise. They're right here in verse 4. The first one is this. 
Don't irritate your kids. Any kids in the room? Amen. Right? Don't irritate your kids. That's the first thing this verse says. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. The word exasperate means to irritate or to provoke to a high degree or to annoy extremely. That's what this word means. Now, that doesn't mean that just because you are a parent, you're annoying. I'll get to that in a minute. Because sometimes that's what culture says. But here's what I've discovered that helps us not be irritating. Avoid extremes. Avoiding extremes can help you be less irritating. I think there's two extremes in our culture and probably in every culture, but here's the two extremes. We can either become a micromanaging parent way out here where we want control of everything our kids do, right? Micromanager. Or we can do nothing at all. Now, our culture's probably out here. We're doing nothing at all. Both, I will submit to you, are irritating. If you're a child, and maybe you're a child who grew up in a home where you were controlled, you may go back to that childhood and go, that was irritating. I could barely breathe in my own home. You, maybe you remember that. If you're a controlling parent, that's how your kids feel. They feel like they can't even make a decision. Like they can't even eat their cereal right. Can I go to the bathroom or can I not go to the bathroom? I mean, it's so controlling. It's like, whoa. And our kids can get irritated as we micromanage every decision and every failure. In this challenge of micromanaging our kids, there's something else that happens that's really bad, and that is... We don't empower our kids to make their own decisions. We don't empower them to fail. We don't empower them or, or give them an opportunity to succeed because we just control everything. And I believe that in our homes is the place where our kids should be able to succeed and fail more than anywhere else in life. They should be able to succeed and come home and we shower them with encouragement. And they should be able to fail and know that their home is a place where they can come home to and they will receive love and forgiveness and they will know what it means to be accepted. And you'll walk through some stuff. It doesn't mean nobody's grounded. It just means that they feel loved, and forgiven, and accepted. Now let me tell us two things quickly, two reminders about micromanaging. One is this, every child has different seasons. So we know that from zero to 18, there'll be different uh, gradients of this micromanaging. For instance, we don't let our two-year-old have the, key cars to the keys to the car and drive to Spokane to the mall, right? There needs to be a little more micromanaging at age two, but then it starts to fade off as we get to 12, a little bit less, we get into our teenage years a little bit less, and now we're, you know, 16 to 18, and we're letting them do almost most of what, they, what, what we would like them to do, and we're just kind of giving guidelines and helping along the way. That's one thing we need to remember about micromanaging as we help them grow and mature. The second thing I, I want us to remember, because some of you kids may be sitting there thinking, this is exactly what my parents need to hear. 
I'm so glad we came to church this morning. Like most of the time, I'm like, church, eh, but this time he is really talking to my parents. <laughs> right? Man. Second thing I want you to know, this doesn't mean you don't have guidelines and rules in your home. Say, well, yeah, that's what micromanaging means, doesn't it? It means that I don't have rules anymore. No, that's not what it means at all. It means that micromanaging will still instruct and train you. We'll just do it in a much different way with love and respect. Those guidelines will still be there because here's what you need to know. Guidelines will always be there. They don't go away because you become an adult. In fact, I say this often. I have way more guidelines as an adult than when I was a kid. <laughs> I got to show up to work on time. I got to pay my bill on time. I got to make a speech every week. I mean, there's a lot more to do now that I'm an adult. There's a lot more guidelines. There's a lot more rules. There's a lot more things in place. That police officer is always telling me to slow down. <laughs> Second extreme, doing nothing. The other extreme is doing nothing. And this is just as irritating. Let me tell you why. When we do nothing, our kids get irritated because they don't know what lane to drive in. I don't know what lane to drive in. We've got no guidelines, no rules. But then eventually your child gets irritating and you say something like, shut up. Or would you cut that out? Or you're grounded. And they're like, why? I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm, I'm grounded for, is that a rule in our home? And the truth is what? It's not. Never said it was. You had no structure, no guidelines, no rules. Your philosophy is I'm my kid's friend. And the problem with being friends is friends get irritating sometimes. And then what do you do? Because you can't discipline because I'm a friend. Friends don't discipline each other. Now you're in trouble. And now the world's raising your kids. Because we're doing nothing. For kids... Like on the surface, as a kid, you're probably like, this is awesome. I get to play the Xbox, eat pizza and Skittles all day long. This is the best. But as you get older, you're going to realize, I've got no structure in my life. Now what do I do? I don't know how to go into a job interview or how to get a job or how to go to school or how to make a paper and turn it in on Friday. What do I do? I didn't prepare them. Didn't train them didn't instruct them. And that will be just as irritating. It's just irritating later. Now, before I finish this concept about being irritating, I want to point out the elephant in the room. The challenge with parenting today that I think is interesting is that the media has influenced our children to think that any input from a parent is irritation. Doesn't matter what your input is. Man, that's a great way to do your hair. Mom, shut up. Dude, you look handsome today. Oh, Dad, that's stupid. I mean, any input is irritating. Like, what in the world? How come this is? I'll tell you why it is. Because for the past 20 years, 
Every TV show, every sitcom, every movie has communicated that parents are morons. That's why. We are now reaping the results of media communication that you watch sitcoms starting back in the late 90s to now, dads are nincompoops. Like they are absolute numbskulls. And moms, why would I ever listen to my mom? She is so out of touch. That's what's been communicated through media. Even the Disney Channel. I watched the Disney Channel this week just to see if I was right. Yeah, these little teeny bopper shows for 10 to 12 year olds, the parents are <laughs> portrayed as the dumbest people on the planet. And then you wonder why we have trouble with parents having relationships with their kids because what they're watching is a show where the parents on the show are the dumbest people in the world. Let me give you one example. Homer Simpson, what's his advice to you? <laughs> hey, Dad, what do you have to say about that? Doop. He's not portrayed as a strong, capable, godly influencer in his society. He's portrayed as a moron. Now, that's challenging because our culture has now reinforced the value that they've not reinforced, sorry, they've not reinforced the value of obedience and honor towards parents. Now, I'll admit that some of us are completely out of touch as parents. I'll admit that. I'll admit that I do not wear skinny jeans. And I will admit that I am not current with my Twitter account, my Facebook account, my Instagram account, Snapchat, pretty good. But parents, can I, can I challenge you to live in what you do know? Can I challenge you? And kids, could I challenge you to listen to your parents? Because here's what your parents do know. They do know why not to value your life based on your likes. They know the importance of our faith in Jesus Christ. They know the value of working hard, the character qualities to look for in a good spouse, how to make a budget and save and spend money wisely, what it takes to be a good friend, how to love and forgive and accept those around you, the dangers to avoid in life, how to fry a turkey. Come on, people, we all need that. How to bake cookies, how to prepare a big meal, learning the value of God's word above my own thoughts and heart, the importance of being a good neighbor, how to be a great employee, planning a vacation, how to purchase a car, a house, or a large item, the truth about sin and why to avoid it, how to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice, and lastly, why not to be a Seahawks fan. Your parents know really, really important stuff. I had to throw that one in there. It was like hanging there in my notes. I'm like, this is perfect. Now, here's the problem. I know how to do that. The rest of you have failed. <laughs> Kelly, you're with me, though. Yeah, you're good. Kelly and I, we're good parents. <laughs> Kids, will you listen to that? This is what your parents know. They know all this stuff. It's all been given to them by God, and they want to deposit it in you 
But if you say, I'm not going to obey, I'm not going to honor them, I'm not going to listen, then guess what? You've got to figure out all of that on your own. You know what you've got to figure out? Man, I bought this car. It's the coolest car in the world. And the month comes around and you're like, I can't afford this car. What do I do now? Man, if I had just listened to my parents, I might have made a better financial decision. I just dropped the turkey in the fryer and busted out of that sucker and burned the whole garage to the ground. Maybe I should have listened to my dad about how to put the turkey in the fryer. I mean, these things are important. Your parents know how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Nothing will be more important in your entire lifetime. Nothing. Watch your parents do it. Sit with them and listen to the Holy Spirit together. These are important things. So parents, don't irritate your kids. Second, know your kids. Know your kids. Now, if you've got a couple kids, you already know something that's true. No kid is the same. God made us and he broke the mold. It's true. I've got a girl and a boy, and it's true. They're from different planets. They're nothing alike. It's crazy. That requires me to be wise. It requires you to be wise because I have to know how each of them responds to discipline and to love. Some children will melt when you just look at them. Some parents, you're building a flogging device right now. Right? I mean, you put a line in the sand and some of them go, oh, there's a line. God wants me to stay away from the line. And others of them are like, line! Yes! Freedom! Till they get home past their curfew. Right? That's just the difference. We're all different. We're different people. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't need rules. It doesn't mean that you change the rules for each child. It simply means that each child will process your guidelines differently, and you'll need to be wise about how to teach them godly concepts as a child. That will be important. Second, know their love language. Know what makes them feel loved and accepted and valued and have purpose. Know their love language. The five love languages are simple. Acts of service, physical touch, gifts, quality time, and words of affirmation. Now let me explain it to you like this. You decide, I want to figure out my daughter's love language. I, well, she's at school today. I'm going to go clean her room. <laughs> Wait a second. Did I just say that? I didn't say that. No, I should. I should go clean her room. And you go clean her room. And she comes home, and she just raves about you. Mom, you are the awesomest. She starts Snapchatting pictures of her clean room to her friends and telling all of her friends how awesome her mom is. She helps you make dinner. She thinks you are the greatest mom in the world. She gives you a card that says you're the number one mom on the planet. And you're like, snap, I think my daughter likes acts of service. I think that really might be what she loves. In the morning, after you've had your coffee, your kids are getting ready, your teenage son is getting ready to go to school, and you're like, hey, son, have a great day at school. Can I give you a hug before you go? <laughs> no. 
Remember, we talked about this. We're just doing thumbs up. Remember? Dad, just thumbs up. Physical touch is not his love language, right? But your daughter says, I'll have one, Daddy. Physical touch might be her love language. You buy your kids a gift, and one of them is just over the moon. In fact, that's the child that will not sleep on Christmas Eve. They're probably high in gifts. And when you buy them something, they will love you forever. Now, here's the ticker. It doesn't matter whether it's something from the dollar store on Wednesday or Christmas. It doesn't matter to them. So just buy them a gift. It could be a Snickers. It could be a Starbucks drink. Well, I know Starbucks costs you 40 bucks, but um, <laughs> that's why I don't drink coffee. I've saved millions of people. I've saved millions. <laughs> Quality time. You just ask your daughter, would you like to go for a walk? Yeah, Dad. And you just walk. Don't even have to talk about anything. Don't have to do anything. Just walk. She loves you for it. Your daughter comes out of her room and you say, honey, man, I really like the way you did your hair today. And she says, oh, thank you, daddy. I love you. And you say, son, and that's a cool shirt. Yeah, whatever, dad. Which one's high on words of affirmation? <laughs> right? I mean, that's how it works. Know your kids. Lastly, the best way to know your kids is time. They need your time. They need your commitment. Do some things that they like. Take them to ice cream or out to dinner. Play a game with them. Watch one of their shows and laugh with them. And I'm going to give you the last one. It's a big deal. Take them on vacation. I'm serious. Start saving right now and take them on vacation. Here's why. I listen to adults all the time. And I'll say this. Tell me about something. We're just messing around, hanging out. I'm getting to know some guy. I'll say, hey, tell me something about your childhood. What was the greatest thing about your childhood? Oh, man, I remember this time we went camping on, in this little tiny lake up in North Washington. It was great. We had no cell service. You, it was great that you had no cell service? Yeah, I don't know why, but it was awesome. Every single time we casted our line, we caught a fish, and that's what I thought fishing was like, and then it came back to a real lake and realized that's not how it works. But anyway, it was super cool, and we got chased by a bear one day, and our dog ate a porcupine, and we got to pull all the things out of its head. I mean, it was awesome. It was the greatest. What was the greatest moment of their childhood? A vacation. Every year, Kate and I save our money every month to go on a vacation. Why? Because our kids later will say, Mom, Dad, thanks so much for taking us to Yellowstone. I know at the time I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world because they didn't have Xboxes there, but buffaloes. <laughs> Lastly, this verse says something extremely important. Train and instruct. Train and instruct your kids in the Lord. Now, training and instruction will happen more through influence than control. You want to be an influence in your kid's life for all of their life. You want to have a relationship with them all the days of their life. You want to have a great relationship with your kids when they're adults and you're adults. You don't want, you don't want this relationship where it's been so crazy 
that when they start having grandkids, they don't want to come to grandpa's house. You want to have influence. You want to have a great relationship. You want their minds and their hearts to be open to the godly training and wisdom and instruction that you have. Quickly, two ways to instruct and train. One, be intentional. Be intentional. There should be times of intentional training. At the dinner table, an evening prayer time and Bible study. Maybe you'll take a walk with the intention of teaching a lesson, but also take a walk just to take a walk. Maybe you'll have a conversation after Faith Kids or AMP or a message at church or camp or a retreat. Lastly, let me show you a great intentional way to train your kids. If, if you have kids in first through fifth grade, when you go to pick them up in Faith Kids, you're going to get this sheet. Not in my hand anymore. You're going to get this take-home page. Now today, they're talking about creation. They're talking about Adam and Eve. And this take-home page allows you to be intentional with them for the rest of the week. It allows you to continue to reinforce that God created the world and he created them male and female in his image. And that's his design and his purpose for mankind. You've got a little puzzle here that they can do to get to the tree of life. You've got a memory verse that they're memorizing in Psalm 8, 5 through 6, so they're learning the word. On the back side, there's some great stuff. One of them's called What You Heard. You get to have a conversation with them, and it helps you start a conversation with them about what they heard in Faith Kids a couple days ago and how important it is in their life. Then you have an opportunity with Outward to have a family discussion, and they give you all the questions. You don't even have to come up with all the questions. They give them to you so that you can be intentional. And then they have a whole uh, section here that's homeward for parents where you can have another Bible study all about creation with your kids. This is a great way to be intentional with your kids. You get one every single week. You go to Faith Kids. Second, be spontaneous. So be intentional and be spontaneous. Make the most of a random teaching opportunity. Now, I don't mean look for an opportunity to tell your kids that they're wrong and you're right. That's not what I mean. Don't look for an opportunity to jab them. Don't look for an opportunity to catch them doing something wrong. That's not the type of spontaneity I'm talking about. I'm talking about being spontaneous with love, being spontaneous with care, being spontaneous with joy, being spontaneous to get to know them. It means when your child has a great day, celebrate it. When Tim would score a goal in soccer, we'd go to ice cream. That's what we did. When he got a goal scored on him, we went to ice cream. Get it? Spontaneous. Just learn to love. When your child's having a tough day, sit with them and listen. Seek to know them. Seek to understand what they're going through. Look for an opportunity to instruct casually. What do you mean, Pastor Mark, instruct casually? Well, it's my way of parenting like Star Wars. Pastor Mark, you lost me. I know it's not a biblical thing, but training and instructing is kind of like Chewbacca flying the Millennium Falcon. 
There was a moment where Chewbacca was flying past the Death Star and life was crazy. It was his craziest moment in the world. He thought, this is dumb. We're going to die. This is my craziest moment right now. And he turns to Han Solo and he says, and somehow Han Solo knew what that meant. And then it was an actual sentence. Because what Chewbacca has said is, this is crazy. This is like ridiculous. What are we doing here? And I know as a parent and as a child, you feel that way. There's times in life where you just feel like, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. Why would we put ourselves in danger like this? This is the craziest thing in the world that I have to grow up like this and grow up in this time and there's evil everywhere around me. And why do I have to parent my kids in an evil time when it's so challenging and Jesus is never talked about and it's so hard to just get my kids to pray? What do I do? Fly casually. Parent casually. Be spontaneous. And parents, let the Holy Spirit guide you. The force, the Holy Spirit, is in you. He's in you. Let Him come out. Let Him fill you and then let Him keep coming out. And look for those opportunities to drop nuggets of wisdom. Parents, I want to give you some tools as well. So quickly, just write down two websites. If you're looking for some, some more wisdom, the Focus on the Family website is a great place to go. Just tons and tons and tons of nuggets of wisdom. Tons of articles from all kinds of pastors and parents and people that are struggling like you. All kinds of stuff in there. The second one is a website called 226parenting.com. This website helps you have a discipleship plan for your kids and your family. It's a great site. Now that costs a little money, but it's okay. It's great. What else would be better to spend money on than discipling your kids to love Jesus? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to close with just a couple things. First, for you as kids. I know you know this already, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Your parents aren't perfect. But you might as well know now, nobody's perfect. People that aren't perfect don't parent perfectly. They don't do anything perfectly. So your parents are going to make mistakes. Cut them some slack. Seriously, cut them some slack. They're doing the best they can. And your parents love you more than you could possibly fathom. They love you. I, I guarantee you, there's a couple people I would get on a cross for, and two of them are my kids. Your dad, your mom would do that for you. They would love you like Jesus. Your parents love you beyond belief. 
when they discipline you, they love you because they want the best for you. They challenge you with guidelines because they know it's what's best for you. They tell you things that you don't want to hear because they know it's what's best for you. And they're preparing you to listen to God. To listen to what God says from his word and from his spirit. Parents, for you, don't think you have to be perfect. That's been a really tough one for me for a long time. I always think I have to be perfect as a parent and as a person. I'm a pastor. Pastors are perfect, right? We all know I'm not. I'm already got like 50 strikes against because I'm a Niners fan. But I'm not perfect. I mean, that's like the beginning of my failures. It's my biggest in some of your eyes, but that's not the point. You may not be perfect as a parent, but take your job seriously to raise your kids to love Jesus. Take it seriously. Because it's the most important thing you will ever do. There's nothing more important than raising our kids to love Jesus. And then I'm going to challenge you to talk to other parents. Because the trick of the enemy for us as parents is to, to tell us this. There's no other parent in the world that has a kid like you. Really? Don't buy that lie. Other parents have had strong-willed children. Other parents have had children that have disobeyed. Other parents have had children that their children were very challenging. But you can't go talk to your parents. I mean, because it was you. But find someone. Find someone in this church that you can go to and they can be a confident mentor and person that you can share your life with and you can learn how to parent together and you can make mistakes together and you can love your kids together and you can go camping together and you can be friends you can grow see I believe this is one of the most important things we're doing especially in our day and it's really important for us to get it right amen let's pray